You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas, and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 237 of the Make It British podcast. Today I'm joined by Veronica Galbraith, the founder of Republic of Happy, a printed textile business that makes everything in the UK. Veronica's going to talk to us about how she launched her business and more importantly, how she now markets and sells her products. This interview was originally recorded as a YouTube live video. And if you want to watch the video recording of this interview, pop over to the Make It British YouTube channel. I'll put the link into the show notes for you and you'll be able to see some of the amazing products that Veronica makes, as well as a beautiful, well-organized studio that she works from that I talk about at the end of this episode. And as a little reminder, I'm live every Tuesday now at 1 p.m. on our YouTube channel. So make sure that you subscribe to the Make It British YouTube channel so that you don't miss an episode over there. And then today's episode of this podcast is being sponsored by the Make It British Forum, an event that we've got coming up very soon. So here's a few more details. Are you a British brand founder of a product business that makes in the UK? If so, you're going to want to be at our Make It British Forum on the 8th of October. Whether you currently manufacture in the UK or you hope to do so in the future, and you're super passionate about what you do, but you feel like you're juggling manufacturing and marketing and running your business, and you're totally overwhelmed. You just like one day where you can work on your business, not in your business, with face-to-face -face interaction with like-minded people who feel the same way as you do. This is a forum and not a lecture. It's not just about listening, it's about doing. And we're going to inspire you with practical workshops and amazing speakers. Tickets include entry for the whole day on Saturday the 8th of October. The practical workshops, the speakers, networking with others that make in the UK, plus all of your food and drink. To get your ticket, go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash forum. See you there. And now let's go over to the main part of the show and our interview with Veronica Galbraith from Republic of Happy. Hello, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Thank you for having me. So you're going to talk to us all about how you launched your printed textile business, things that you would have done differently if you'd have done it all over again. Do you want to start? I mean, I know you're from Colombia originally, aren't you? But you're based in Cornwall, Truro in Cornwall now. Um, yes. What's your background? Were you actually from a printed textile background? Tell me how it all started. Yes. Well, I come from a family of architects, designers, painters, everything creative that you can imagine. So I think it was in my blood from day one. So it just, since I was very little, I knew that I wanted to do something creative. And I did uh, do industrial design, so product design at university. 
I did, yes. And at the same time, we saw we, we studied a lot of graphic design as well as part of that course. So I came out of university like a product designer, graphic designer, and I worked as a graphic designer for many years. And then I uh, did web design as well. So I studied web design. So everything that is designing, I kind of touched somehow. And then in 2011, uh, after spending like seven years raising my, my little ones and not working very much, I wanted to get back like into graphic design and web design. And then I thought, uh, like, it, it, I was a little bit behind everything. And I thought, what else is out there? And then somebody shared with me a blog about pattern design, and I absolutely fell in love. That was in 2011. And since that day, I just dived in and I just never left. I mean, I thought it, this was the best kind of design because it's so, it, it provides such freedom. When you're a graphic designer, you're very, uh, you're, restricted by the briefs of your customers so you can't really like let go <laughs> you, you're like in a little path so this was just the best thing so at what point did you decide that you wanted to launch your own business then what year was that you launched last year didn't you yes. in 2021 so at what yes. point did you how long did it take as well when did you decide you were gonna launch this is a funny thing because uh, when I was doing surface pattern design in, um, and learning it and everything I was thinking along the the like licensing and that kind of thing like doing a like a portfolio and licensing to companies. But because I'm a product designer, since day one, I had this little nagging thing in my brain saying, products, products, products. I really want to put my design on products. But I was always absolutely full of fear. I was because I'm, I'm, I've always been like freelancer and it was like design uh, just at the computer, not creating products. I thought, no, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. There's so much, it's a super steep le learning curve. I'm going to have to learn loads of things to create products, suppliers, pricing, and I put it off and I put it off. But from day one, in fact, before I was a surface pattern designer, and I always had that thing about products because I'm a product designer. So I always wanted to have a range of products of some sort. But when I became a surface pattern designer, I, I realized, okay, this is this is the moment, but I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. So, <laughs> so did you write a business? So did you write no. a business plan then? No, no not at all? Zero, no, zero business plan. I did go to some uh, like business uh, help organizations that uh, kind of ask you to do a business plan, but very loose. And I knew more or less what I wanted to do. So about three years ago, I thought, okay, I'm going to launch a shop. But it took me years. Well, two years. And then I launched. <laughs> it took two I years. <laughs> that's no, that's nothing to be ashamed of. I've known people that have taken a lot longer. So talk, talk us through step by step then. I mean, how did you find the manufacturers? What was the oh. process when you had the idea about putting your prints onto, and I've shown people some of your amazing products. You can see them there. Oh. They're so beautiful, so colourful. There's a Thank lot you. of different products in your collection. Where did you yes. start? 
Uh, where did I start? I think I knew I wanted to do um, fabric, something with fabric, because it's like the best way to show a pattern like, I don't know, and I love homewares. I love like my house. If you walk around my house, well, you probably see behind me, it's color, it's pattern and everything. So I thought, well, something for people's homes. So I thought, okay, something textile. And then it started, the journey started looking for the suppliers, which was not an easy task. And actually you had a big um, influence there because I found you and I found the, the, the spreadsheet you had with suppliers and I got it and I went, it took me months. It wasn't easy. And that's one thing, I mean, I take ages with things ages because I want everything to be absolutely perfect so the suppliers was about the first thing because I thought okay how how doable is this because I had almost no money so the first thing I thought okay I'm gonna do some drop shipping because that is easy is it isn't it somebody does it somebody posted and I don't have anything to do with that but I went, when I started digging into that, I realized it wasn't, I, I didn't have the control I wanted over the product and it wasn't the quality I wanted and I didn't have control over the packaging. The pricing was like the margins were going to be rubbish. So I dropped the sh- drop ship. <laughs> I dropped the drop shipping really soon. <laughs> I know a lot of people that have done that though, that have wanted to launch a um, printed textile business, and they start off by doing that drop shipping route because it's the yes. easiest thing, and you haven't got to deal with the fulfillment and the manufacturers. Yes. But the margins on it are not so great, and as you found, it's not no. as easy as it first seems. So um, and and so- the quality, the quality. Yeah. I was really. I wanted to have the best product. And you can't do it that way. You have to really choose. And, and I had to send for samples to many manufacturers and they would send me the, the, the sample and I would go, mm, I don't know. <laughs> so, yes, it was hit and miss, a lot of uh, trial and error. And how much did you spend on that first order of stock? So what, what was the first product? Was it the cushions that you did first or did you launch yes. the whole collection? No, I wanted to launch, but again, I had almost no money, so I wanted to be very focused and I wanted the launch to be very special and to uh, not like, oh, just I launched a shop full of things. No, I wanted it to be like a collection that everyone knew exactly what it was and it was very, uh, yes, focused. So I decided to go for the cushions because it gave me, it gave me a lot of um, play a space because I had the panels of the cushion and I had two sides of the cushion so I created double-sided cushions so I could go to town so I created nine um, cushions so that was the launch collection it was literally nine cushions nothing else but the good thing is that I had spent a few months building an email list for the launch so when I launched yeah, Brilliant. that was the best trick of the trade. I have no idea where I found that trick. Somebody told me, I read it somewhere, but I did it. And it's the best thing I had done because I sold out almost like in the first week. 
because everyone was waiting for the cushions. <laughs> Brilliant. And you know, as you know, I'm, I'm a part of the reason I got you on the show is because I'm a big fan of your email. So your emails are fantastic yeah. because they are really bright and colourful and they're not just about your products. You talk about other things like TV shows that you're interested in and things like that. What sort of response do you get to your emails? People love them. And yeah. that is, yes, that is something that has, like, people talk about them and they really love them. And I get actually replies, which is absolutely lovely because my email list is not too big, but it seems to be of real fans, which is the lovely thing is that, like, they really appreciate what I'm trying to do. And as you say, I, I'm not trying to sell on every email because I just think it's just, I don't like that. Yeah. To happen to me like I if I if a company or a something a small business even is sending me lots of emails and it's only about selling them I I unsubscribe because yeah. it's not giving me value I'm not buying every day so that's what I'm trying to do and because I I literally I'm like a little magpie I love surfing the internet I'm finding lovely things and I want to share those things because it just brings joy to people and it just what's the point of just me having those beats. No, I want to share them with the world. Look how fun. And they make people happy. Are. Exactly. exactly. Republic of happy. And you share a little yeah. bit of happiness with each email. <laughs> so do you make do you make a lot of sales off the back of those emails? What what reaction do they get in terms of actually putting money through the tills and making your money? Yes. But that is a bit difficult to quantify because uh, yes, if I look at the at the email like uh, is that no, what do you call it? Um analytics sorry i forgot the word it says that there are there are uh, buyers from the emails definitely but from some particular emails like if um if something is uh, comes back in stock for example those are good because people have signed up for to know when certain product comes back in stock for example the ones with that are just for fun obviously they don't bring much anything but it's just creating that relationship and that trust and know you know that we all talk about so much it's just like just getting the people to know you and like you and trust you with your things and then I think it will pay off a lot more later on. So back to the development of your products then so how did you decide on what pricing you would do on your products? Because people always say, you know, making in the UK, it can cost more to get products made here. And yes, labour is more expensive here. When you launched that first collection, how did you decide on what your pricing was going to be, Veronica? It was a mixture of several things. Uh, so I did a competitor research because I wanted to know, OK, what is out there? Uh, but it wanted to be, it, I, I needed to see people that were doing more or less what I was doing. No, I couldn't compare like uh, with, I don't know, Ikea or uh, TK Maxx or Magellan. I had to go down and looking at the competitors that were at my level, designers, uh, just small businesses. So I did like um, a spreadsheet of all my competitors, what they were offering, their prices and everything. And at the same time, I did all my cost of goods, okay, what each cushion is going to cost me with every single detail, like the, the little woven label, the packaging, every single sticker, even the, the shipping label. I put so everything. So important, yeah. Yeah. So I 
deconstructed the whole thing. And then I knew what it was going to cost me to make this cushion and packaging and send it. And then looking at the competitors as well. And then I chose a middle ground. It was just like almost intuitive. like, And it was not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I came, I was going back and forth, back and forth. No, it's too cheap. No, it's too expensive. No, but at some point, you just have to go, oh, you do. Sorry, yes. <laughs> at some point, you've just got to say, let's test it and see how my yeah. audience reacts. Exactly. exactly. And have you had to then tweak the prices as once you went live? What was the reaction? Because no. you've, no. So you got I it right. I had to tweak the price. I had to tweak the price. But this is the thing. Many people might come to my website and say, oh, that's too expensive, whatever, and leave. This is the thing. There are customers for every price range. And it's not a question of what the material is. To some degree it is, but it's also to the value or, or the like what is making that person feel. You don't buy only the product. You buy into what the, the whole brand, what it makes you feel, everything. So it's very subjective, the price. I have seen cushions going for 200 quid. If that person, if I fall in love with a cushion that is 200 quid and I had 200 quid, why not? You know, so it's, it's finding your market is finding your people and not to be in a race to the bottom because oh, at the end yeah. that is not sustainable and I want this business to grow. So if I don't charge enough, if I just charge so people buy but the business can't grow on the back of that, then I'm done. Yeah, so, so true. <laughs> so true. So as well as your emails that you send out, your email marketing that you do, Veronica, what other sales um, and marketing channels do you use? What's been the most successful for you? And what would you advise for other small businesses who are relatively new at starting out in terms of what sort of marketing they can do other than just building up their email list? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm, on, I'm only on Facebook and on Instagram. And I chose those two because they are very visual and I believe my target market is in there and um, so I chose those two and I do try to post relatively consistently but I'm not a slave to the social media I really find it really difficult to be there constantly even though that's what they suggest we do so because I don't like being there 24 7 I have started looking for other ways. Like, for example, uh, I get lots of organic um, traffic to my website from my SEO because I try to uh, write all my descriptions and I try to write um, all the text in my, in my website in a way that is the things get found. And I think that is very important and some people just um, don't do it and they lose... <laughs> all that lovely, lovely organic traffic, which is really That's good. That's so true. And that, is, yeah. and that is, you can find that on my Google Analytics. I can see, yes, I'm getting organic traffic. So the SEO is working. So that's one way. And the other one is just now, I couldn't do this before because I had, uh, well, almost no capital. But now, very slowly, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into Facebook and Instagram ads. And but I've done that with guidance because I know it can be a black hole where you just just put money endlessly and you end up 
who knows where. So with very specific guidance, I've been dipping my toes. So I'm, I got like an engagement ad running constantly, which is bringing that top of funnel people just just getting to know a little bit the brand, like meeting the brand for the first time. And then I'm planning to retarget those people and show them more and more until I build a relationship with these people. And then they come to my website and hopefully buy in a few months in the future. So it's a slow process, but I think uh, it's just liberating a little bit because he's just putting the brand in front of people. I am out there. I am doing the organic thing, the, the thing not paid and I post but I don't want to be a slave of this. So if paying a little bit of money to for people to actually see the brand, the right people, that's why it's important to do the segments like proper targeting the people that you think can like your brand, then that's so much better than just the hamster wheel. Yeah. So how much then would you say you've spent on marketing your brand? Because I think a lot of people launch a new yeah. brand and think they're going to do everything organically or everything just on Instagram, which we all know is just like a it just doesn't deliver the results that maybe it used to a few years ago. So you've talked yeah. about your SEO and your social media and your email in terms of stuff that you're doing organically, but also you're paying for some advertising. How much would you say you've spent on marketing and advertising in the last year since you launched your business? Uh, with the ads, they just I just started like uh, three or four months ago. And it's literally, I do a test of like three ads in a week. So I pay like 30 quid for a test of three ads. And then I choose the one that wins. And then I put that one um, in unlimited time. So it's every day and I pay one pound every day so I got one on Facebook one on Instagram and then I have a video one on Facebook and a video on Instagram so I paid 120 quid in a month for those four adverts oh okay so not that much then really exactly because I kept hearing that oh my god thousands of pounds thrown into Facebook and I thought "I, I will never be able to do that then but when I found the people that were teaching me the thing, it's just finding the way. You don't need to throw endless money into these. It's finding the way. And it's, it's quite important that, yes, you find an affordable way because it can cost a lot of money. So it's not very much what I'm spending, but I'm getting that lovely, constant flow of people to get to know the brand. So, hmm. so you started with uh, your cushions, your... Eight, was it nine cushions that you started with? You've now introduced other products as well, haven't you? Like you've got your um, wrapping paper that you do. How yes. did you decide what products you were going to launch next? Um, and how are you ensuring that you're not putting so much out there that you're giving your customers too much choice and they just don't know what to buy next? So have you planned it all out? I have a, a, a semi-plan. I'm not very good at planning very much in advance but after the cushions the cushions were on their own for a while and then I think it was just um, like at the end of last year I wanted to introduce some other textiles because the people that print my cushions are just so awesome and they have other products so that's how I decided I thought okay I have the supplier they have other options I'm just gonna go for them because I know and I trust them and I can easily do that. So I designed the kitchen textiles range, 
which was aprons, tea towels, and oven gloves. And that went really well as well. Um, and then this year, uh, just recently, like a month ago, I launched the wrapping paper because I love stationery. I absolutely love stationery. And that is another easy way because it's very easy to print wrapping paper. I have products that I love and I just go for them. So Veronica, what advice would you give to someone then about what you would do differently if you were launching your business again from the time it took you to launch it until now? You sound like you've really got to grips with things like your marketing and your suppliers, but some things must have gone wrong. I don't know about wrong. I actually, I have a, a quite a positive view of the of the things. I always think that if something has happened, it was because something good was coming on the back of it. So the only thing I think is I took too long. <laughs> I took too long to decide to launch a business. And I was full of fear that people weren't going to like it, that I wasn't going to be able to deal with all the learning curve and learning about suppliers about pricing I was in this little world of I know how to do this but I don't want to get out of this comfort zone so because this all is very unknown and I wish I had started earlier uh doing because the people are people are loving the brand and I just wish I had started earlier but having said that I think everything came together at the right moment because I had all my background with design, with web design, with surface pattern design. And so it feels like it, it just flowed like it should have been. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not one for regrets. You had a bit of success recently, didn't you, with a competition you won? Tell everyone about what this competition was. Um, and for those watching that can see, hopefully can see, that you got an advert there at bus stops. Come on, tell us all about it. How did you enter? How did this come about, Veronica? About two months ago, somebody shared a competition that was going on online. Somebody sent it on Facebook or something. And I um, got interested because it was uh, Enterprise Nation, Adobe, and JC Deco, which are the people that do these kind of digital screens. They got together and created this competition for small businesses to create an advert on their own uh, using uh, Adobe Express, which is like a design software. And then you could win your advert designed by yourself displayed in in these uh, digital screens all around the country and I literally left it to the day they were closing because I thought I never win competitions what is the point and that day I thought well I'll just put something really fast together and a few weeks later, I got a call and said, you're one of the 10 winners and your your advert is going to be displayed in 105 digital screens all around the country. And I was like, this can't be happening to me. 
That's amazing then. That's incredible. And that just that goes to show that um when people say, Oh, you know, it's no point entering any of these competitions, it's always worth doing, isn't it? Because how much must that do you say it's worth ten thousand pounds that free out in terms mm-hmm. of free advertising? Mm-hmm. Which is yes. incredible. I suppose one of the yes. issues with adverts like that, display ads that are in kind of in real life rather than digital, unlike your Facebook and Instagram ads, they're more difficult to track the success of whether yes. they are actually kind of bringing in customers. Have you seen any any uptick in traffic to your website yet or anything like that at all? Not yet, but they just launched yesterday. So we're going to wait and see. But I'm not expecting... A, like a huge, like everyone is coming, come rushing by. I just think it's again, it's that top of funnel, which is just getting visually the people just introduced to the brand and they just like maybe just put them there in the subconscious. So fingers crossed for this because it's really exciting. It's, it's like the best thing that has happened to the Republic of Happy, I think. It's amazing. It's making the Republic of Happy happy. So uh, I've got one final question for you. I've got to ask you because your background looks amazing. Is your studio always that tidy uh, or have you just tidied it up because you're on video today? (laughs) No, it's pretty much always like this. I'm a a perfectionist, organisational freak. I am. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) I mean... For anyone that's listening to this on the podcast rather than watching it, go to the YouTube video to see Veronica's amazing. <laughs> it's like one of those, um, when you see those shows on the telly about how to organise everything by colour and by, and you think people don't really live like that or have studios like that. So if, that, if you're sad, that's what your studio looks like. Is your kitchen yeah. the same? Are you one of those people that's got all your beans and lentils in different glass jars? Yeah. <laughs> You are, aren't you? <laughs> I, am, I actually, I actually, if I hadn't launched this, I wanted to be a professional organizer. That's been, that's been a dream of mine. Like I love going into my family's houses and get loose and organize them. <laughs> Amazing. Can you come around mine, please? <laughs> yes, please. Oh, brilliant, Veronica. You've been such an amazing guest. Can you just tell Hello. everyone where can they find Republic of Happy? Oh, that's very easy. Republicofhappy.co.uk or at Republic of Happy in Instagram, at Republic of Happy on Facebook. So, yes. Brilliant. And everyone make sure they go and sign up to Republic of Happy's email because it really is really good fun and it does bring a smile to my face. It's one of those emails. They say when you send out an email, you want to be that business that sends an email that people look forward to opening. And for me, Veronica, Republic of Happy's email is that email in my inbox. Oh, that means the world to me, Kate. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Veronica. Thank you so much. It's been so wonderful to speak to you today. And you, have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Friday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. Many of the interviews that you hear on series four of this podcast are also available to watch on our YouTube channel. You can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash LTD. That's Make It British with the letters LTD. Bye bye.